This episode, we are going to be talking about the Norns. Three Norns which bear no resemblance whatsoever to four candles. Four candles. <laughs> They're kind of different. <laughs> <laughs> and if yon's a meat pie, <laughs> what have I left in the oven? Warming up for me dinner. Warming up for me There's one for the Brits! <laughs> well, I thought we'd start this episode with a bit of a song. A song? <laughs> yeah! Got the lyrics right here and everything. You want to sing a song about the Norns? Yeah. How does your song about the Norns go? Three little Norns from school are we, bright as the guise of faith can be, filled to the brim with girlish glee. Three little Norns from school. Everything is a source of fun. Nobody's safe, for we care for none. Life is a joke that's just begun. Three little nons from school. From school. I messed that up. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> They'll be in hysterics by now. They won't have heard anyway. talk about the Norns. I did, and probably not in the terms of the esteemed Gilbert and Sullivan. Indeed. Norns! Yes. Do go on. Thank you. Who are the Norns? Well, it's a good question. Oh, I'm sorry, shall we introduce ourselves first? I was going to say, shall we do some introductions first? Allow the lovely listeners to find a cup of coffee, settle in around the virtual campfire, grab a blanket, warm your knees... Settle back. Actually, to be fair, I don't think we're going to need a blanket. No, but warm. Much of a fire. I mean, the fire is only really for symbolic purposes tonight. It is. Because it's quite warm out there. It is, but it's kind of nice. You know, embers on a nice warm night can go there. Kind of nice sort of chilly out thing. Just takes the chill off a little bit. And we could cook cook things over the fire. Who are you? Uh, Well... (laughs) Not sure they need to know after all of that. Plausible deniability if I don't say anything. I'm not sure um, they care who we are. They're just like, <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. Please find us another podcast. Yeah. Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. Hello. Oh, that's got sugar in it. Of course it's got sugar in it. I made this. It's got your coffee. Welcome around the virtual campfire. I'm Suzanne Martin. And I'm Kate of the same ilk. And I'm a passing druidy thing. Coffee powered. And I know nothing about either of Get off. I know a bit about you. Yeah, just a little. There's quite a lot about you. I'm the I'm I'm like you know on films and in books where there's like a, a total know nothing character mm-hmm. who is who prefer, who is the one that keeps on asking questions, like Arthur Dent in the Hitchhiker's Guide. Madam Exposition. Yeah, basically. Yeah, okay. I'll be I'll be I'll be exposition person. Yeah, expositionary master. Yeah. Mistress. Whatever. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I'll be a sort of frith cast Arthur Dent, only without a dressing gown. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 not saying without a dressing. I mean, I'm. It's the middle of the day. I'm dressed for the middle of the day. Thanks. I'm not. I need you know, to know that. I'm just saying. 
Not that I can't see you, but the lovely listeners around the virtual campfire... That was my concern. ...may not have that advantage. That they thought I was sitting here in a dressing gown. Yeah. And it's not like that. No. Lovely listeners, welcome to episode 33 of Frithcast. Hello. 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 (laughs) And as we managed to say right at the very beginning, being a very good place to start... There was a beginning? The kind of was. There was a bit where we started talking, and I'm guessing that was the beginning this time around. Fair enough. We're going to talk a little bit about the Norns, and a little bit about a couple of parallels to the Norns, Mm -hmm. and also we're going to kind of, you know, we've done a couple of episodes recently where we've probably given you some quite deep thinky material. You know, we looked at circular, uh, cyclical time, Mm -hmm. and we've looked at a couple of other things where it's just kind of digging into your, your brain's a wee spot, and twisting things over a little bit and having a look at things and Ragnarok and the Ragnarok and if I could roll my R's I would do that so impressively <laughs> I'd, I'd be like you know Gandalf doing Mordor would have nothing on me <laughs> talking about Ragnarok but I can't I've never been able to do it okay moving on okay so we thought this episode we'd have a chat about the Norns mm-hmm. and look at the concepts of fatalism and free will okay now we can appreciate this is generally a very short podcast. Usually we do episodes under half an hour. The very, very first ones we did were about 20 minutes long. Mm. That was with the title music included, so they were really short. Sometimes we get carried away, though. Sometimes we get slightly carried away and we end up at about 40 minutes. So this the big knotty problem right in the middle of our episode this time around is going to be fatalism versus free will, which philosophers have argued for centuries and we are going to dip our toes in for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll kick it. Into touch. We'll, we'll yeah. kick it right into touch just in of that course. time. No problem. We, we can. Will. You know. Yeah. I'm, okay. sure there's, I'm sure there's nothing they can do that we can't. <laughs> <laughs> we are so doomed. Okay. The Norns. Let's start with the Norns. Who are the Norns? Well, the Norns are three, you might call them ladies or individuals who are linked together okay and they basically control the fates if you imagine your whole life is a thread so at one end of the thread where you've got one cut end you've got you being born Mm -hmm. and then a little bit further along you're getting to know your folks you're getting to know your family you're going to your first school A little bit further along from that, you're going to another school, you're taking exams, and further on down your life, and so on, along through all of the things that you've done. This is the thread. The thread. leads through. This is the thread of your life. Yeah. And way, way off in the distance, at the other end, the thread stops. Way, way off. Way off. Way off in the distance. Yeah, just just keep keep that going for miles and miles and miles. But it stops. Like it started, it will stop. Not if I have anything to say about it, it I know. won't. You're going to tie a knot in yours, aren't you? And I, keep, I, keep, I keep doing them rituals. I know. They're there. <laughs> Little does she know I've replaced her incense with oxo cubes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it all seemed a bit gravy. Yeah. <laughs> Gravity of the situation. I know. It's just a bit kind of thicker than you would normally <laughs> expect. <laughs> ah. 
instead of hey presto, we have ah, mister. <laughs> <laughs> That's way too fast for me. I've had a long day at work. Uh, just be gentle. Come on, catch up. Let me just get... <laughs> Other seasoning cubes are available. Oh, God. Oh, God. So oh, I can't cook. Anyway. <laughs> I should expect you not if you burn in so cubes like everybody else burns incense. <laughs> oh. Nons. Yes, yes, we were talking about norns. So you have three norns, thread of your life. Yes. Now the norns are connected with the thread. Okay. One of them will spin the thread of your life. Uh-huh. The second one weaves the thread of your life into the tapestry of history. So it's interacting with all of these other threads that are going on. Okay. The third one will cut the thread of your life, just like they cut everybody's thread. Mm. Eventually. They do three very specific tasks okay and even the gods don't have the knowledge they have about where events are going to go what pattern they are going to weave into this cloth of history that they are building out of everybody's threads Mm. because if you imagine there's your thread and there's the people you work with threads and there's your family's threads and all of those are interacting around you it's going to create this tapestry yeah and if you throw into that, then minor events, major events, big life-changing events, this tapestry gets bigger. Mm. And threads that were way over there suddenly come all the way across into yours and then disappear again as somebody comes into your life and out. Okay. So your university yeah. tutors, your college tutors, your school teachers, their threads will run alongside yours for a few years a and then they will on, separate yeah. off. Yeah. And your thread will carry on going. It's on its path their threads will carry on going on their path friends and partners and business acquaintances and all these people that 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 arrive and stick with you for a bit and then go yep or arrive and stick with you or you know you just happen to pass in the street yep all interact with your thread okay all interact in your life in a day in a week in a month in a year thousands of threads Mm. all coming together to weave a pattern of fate, a cloth, Mm. and only the norns, A, can see the pattern, and B, know where the pattern is going. Now, some of the gods have got the gift of the long sight. They've got the understanding of where part of that pattern will go. Okay. They might be able to understand... Part of. Part of. So they might be able to understand a major event that's coming in, but they might not know what leads that major event to that major event. Right. So if you look at the the death of Baldur, Frigga Queen knows that her son is going to die, mm. but she doesn't know how or why. Okay. Which sets her off on that huge spell song of the universe. Because she just wants to stop it. Because she wants to stop yeah. it, but she doesn't actually know how it happens. And by trying to prevent it, she causes it. And we're back to the Mirror of Galadriel again. We're back to the Mirror of Galadriel again, which we did touch on a couple of episodes ago and probably last episode as well. Yeah. So the Norns, being three figures, three beings, they have a couple of parallels in other mythologies. Mm. 
you'll probably know the Roman ones better than I do. I do. Talk us through the Roman ones. Uh, to be honest, I've got to say it's exactly the same story. Yeah. Um, the Parkai okay. um, are the Roman um, equivalents. Parking, parking attendants? Parking attendants. <laughs> so you will go in this space? There's, um, in this space? I'm sure there's a meaning to the word, but um, I'll look it up. Okay. Yeah, the, the Romans have uh, an equivalent trio. Okay. Again, three women. Yeah. And they are called, I believe, if I remember the names correctly, Nonna, mm-hmm. Decima, and Morta. Okay. They, respectively, spin, yeah, thread, okay, and cut. Okay, yeah. There's not really a deal, I can tell you. <laughs> they just <laughs> because the it same seems thing in Roman to be a very yeah. I mean, the, the Greeks uh, had an had an equivalent as mm. well. Um, I mean, with the with the Greek and the Romans, things tend to mush together. Yeah. Because to a great extent, a lot of the the the, the, the Roman uh, way of looking at things religiously stemmed from the Greek culture. Well, they kind of sort of went all a little bit hero worshipy about the Greeks. Even they did. They conquered them. They were just like, these Greeks are awesome. That's right. So you end up with a lot of a lot of the Roman gods uh, end up with a, a direct equivalent in Greek mythology mm-hmm. to the to the point where they are considered the same person. OK. They're considered the same god. So you might have Aphrodite for the Greeks. You've got Venus for the Romans. They are basically the same goddess. Okay. But then you get an, in in later Roman mythology when as Rome starts to to mimic Greece more because it's considered it looks back on it as an as an ancient culture or an old culture that is uh, very much more you know it's, as you say hero worship. Yeah. So the the Romans start to model themselves more and more on the Greeks. Hence you end up with um, once once the, the the Roman Empire splits in two, you end up with the majority of people in the East speaking Greek rather than Latin. Oh, wow. And that's why the Byzantine Empire, which we now call the Byzantine Empire, it considered it, it would have referred to itself as the Roman Empire throughout its history up until its fall in 1453. It was the Roman Empire to them. We call it the Byzantine Empire because it was based in Byzantium, Byzantium. now Constantinople, now uh, Istanbul, sorry. Um, and um, But the, the Byzantine Empire spoke Greek ex- exclusively. I seem to recall from Latin lessons very, very long ago that even if you spoke Latin, you weren't considered Roman. You were still considered a barbarian unless you could speak Latin and Greek. You were certainly considered un- uneducated. <clears throat> yeah. You were only considered to be an, an educated, proper Roman if you, could, <clears throat> if you could speak Latin and Greek. Mm. And speak them properly. You know, do proper declaiming and proper rhetoric and all that sort of stuff. I'm narned. <laughs> I can only buy a newspaper in Latin and that's me done. Well, I can speak English quite well. Yeah. That, that's about I'm my living. About there. Um, so there was so, a yeah. Greek inqu- equivalent to the... Parkai to the Norns in Norse. Yeah, you you essentially have exactly the same concept mm. in Greco-Roman Roman philosophy as well. To what what extent they were they were thought about, mm. you know, on a day-to-day basis, probably not to anything like the same extent. But you end up with um, yes, the Stygian witches. It can be argued that they're a representation mm. of the Fates. Okay. In Greek mythology. So anybody who's seen the original Clash of the Titans, I don't know whether it, they crop up in the in the remake. Mm, don't um, think so. If you've seen the original um, stop motion stop motion Clash of the Titans from the seventies, we'll put the link in the description. Fantastic film. Go find it. It's awesome. The um, skeletons are wicked cool. Oh, fabulous. And <laughs> they, um, yeah, the Stygian witches appear in that, and they were they were represented as these three uh, wise but very very dangerous. 
yeah. uh, witches who Perseus had to go and consult on something, but of course he had to do it very carefully yes. because they would eat it. Yeah. They would do horrible things to it. And they shared an eye. I was going to ask you if they were the ones with a timeshare eyeball. That's right. Okay. They had, in the film, they had a, a, a crystal ball <clears throat> that represented their eye. And yeah. they had to, in the film, they have to hold it to their forehead in order to be able to see. And they're constantly fighting over whose turn it is with the eye. And Perseus's uh, trick for dealing with them is he has, to, he has to get them to let go of that eye mm. so that he can get hold of it. Okay. So that they can't use it. Yeah. And then he's got them at his mercy and he can... Uh, that's a an appearance of similar characters in a, in a myth. The actual fates, of course, you can't have at your mercy. Oh, no, it's not a good idea. It does just doesn't work. It's, no. It makes the the concept makes no sense. You yes. are at theirs, and that's that's how the it way works. It has to be. Yeah. Yes, this is in fact how they roll. Indeed, or not given the fact they've only got one eyeball and <laughs> it's not supposed to roll anywhere because they got hold of it. That was a really bad joke. I'm probably going to cut it out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't you roll them. <laughs> Do not go there. No, no. That's a bad song anyway. It's a bad, bad song. Bad song. Don't, so don't you roll that crystal eye at me. <laughs> she went there. I had to. It was the rules. <laughs> it was not the rules. <laughs> anyway, so we, we have established that there is an equivalent Yes. There is a certain equivalence. There, the, these, this concept crops up not only in Norse mythology, yes. but also in classical mythology as well. So it does. The one thing I wanted to sort of go into a little bit more was something that we, we touched on a little bit by saying that your life is a thread. Yes. And it gets woven in and out of other people's threads and major events, and, you know, it starts and it stops. Mm. So if you look at the, the characters in the sagas... They're very, very fatalistic. Okay. By this, I mean that they are very much unconcerned as to where death, where and when death will find them. All right. A lot of them are just like, I mean, it's even written in the Havamal. <clears throat> Don't be stressing about stuff you can't do anything about. Because if you do, you'll be up all night stressing about it. And in the morning, you're going to have the same problems. Yeah. So just, uh, I, I believe the phrase is chillax. <laughs> You need to just chillax. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's never the phrase for anything. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, you will... Okay, we can use it. Okay. Well, whatever the, the, the modern hip down with the kids version of chillax is, that one. <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> Me neither. I'm about 20 years too old for that now. <laughs> Essentially, the Havamal just says, when it's time, it's time, and what will happen is what will happen. So that... Que sera, sera. Que sera, sera. The die is cast. The die is cast. Meaning that once you have thrown your dice, there is no more that you can do to alter the outcome of those dice. Allegedly spoken by Julius Caesar as he crossed the Rubicon. Yeah. Because Rolled point, his trousers up. Yeah. Took his shoes off. <laughs> had a wee paddle. Said, <laughs> honey, I'm home. <laughs> and then wondered why nobody was there to give him a big hug. <laughs> No. Honey, I'm Rome! Yes! No. Okay, fine. I like your version better. Honey, I'm Rome! <laughs> yeah, and wondered why nobody was there. Mm. And everybody was just off in the corner having a wee sulk. They were hiding under the table. They were. They'd gone round beforehand. They said, Caesar's coming. He's going to cross the Rubicon with it with a legion. Yeah, the die is cast. Yes. The idea that once your thread starts to be woven by the Norns, they alone know the pattern. Mm. 
that's very, very fatalistic to look at your life and say, what will happen is what will happen. Mm. And I have no direct influence over what will happen. Okay. That's a very, very, very fatalistic mm. understanding of, of what goes on in somebody's life. If you go to the other end of the scale, you have all the free will that you're, you know, you have your, your buffet lunch on free will and you pay one price and you eat as much as you like. <laughs> it's there. It's free will says, I have the free will to make the choices I want to make in my life. So how, as a modern heathen, do you reconcile the concept of the norms, knowing the pattern of your life and weaving your thread the way that they want it to go, and you having free will in your life? So this whole fatalism versus free will is something that, for me, modern heathens just have to, even if it's just briefly, have to kind of get their heads into to decide mm. where they sit on things, mm. to decide where they are. If you're right in the whole what will happen is, is what will happen because the Norns are the same now as they were for the Vikings and the Northern Scandinavian peoples a thousand years ago, mm. it's a very, very fatalistic outlook. Okay. You know, when the gods call me is when it's my time and I cannot avoid that. Mm. There are plenty of little examples in the sagas of that happening. We've had an episode way early on about very grim humour. Oh, very, yes. very direct humour. We did. Very, very distinctive, very sharp, very black. Mm. There's a story that I remember of the All Father asking uh, a very prominent chieftain for a sacrifice. Mm. And the chieftain said, but of course, you help me do all my fighting and I'll give you whatever you want. So he does, and the old father makes sure that he wins. Okay. And the chieftain says, well, fair play. It's time for me to pay up. What do you want? And the old father says, I want you. Ooh. And the chieftain goes, wait, what? Ooh. Slight problem. Yeah. You know, you know turn left, Albuquerque, right there. Bock. Wall. <laughs> so the chieftain goes, okay, that's fine. <clears throat> I'm going to do this. So he decides that he's going to stand under a branch because one of the ways sacred to Odin to die is to be hung. Okay. So he stands under the branch of a tree. Hanged. Hanged. Hanged, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> I'm going to be hung, aren't I, Mr. Holmes? Oh, no. Hanged, possibly. <laughs> So one of the ways sacred to Odin is to be hanged. Yeah. So he stands under the, a tree and gets two of his captains, his trusted men, to put a piece of cotton around his throat and throw the end of the cotton over the branch. Are we trying to outfox the Allfather, are we? Yes. How well does that go? Not very. Okay. <laughs> Because Odin's sacred weapon is a spear, he orders one of his other captains to do the equivalent of spearing him in the ribs while he's being hanged, but not to use an actual spear, but to use a reed from the river. Okay. Because then he can enact the sacrifice and tell the old father he's had his due and continue being a war chief, thank you very much. Doesn't go well. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah, no. <laughs> what 
happens, what is written down as happening, is the fact that when his one of his council throws the, the cotton over the ties the the cotton round his neck and throws it over the, the branch. Yeah. And simultaneously his other man pokes him in the ribs with a reed, yeah. because that's supposed to be the spear. The cotton turns into a rope and hangs him. And the, the reed turns into a full-length spear and stabs spear. him in the side. And does him through. And does him through, because it's, <clears throat> you know, what is set is set. That's what the old father wanted? Yes. And that's what he's going to get? Yes. Okay. If you look at another example of fairly grim, but for me quite funny humour um, from the sagas... There is a, a force defending a, a farmhouse mm-hmm. with a thatch roof and wattle and daub walls and everything else. And there's a force attacking said farmhouse. And one of the attackers, the, the, the leader of the attackers, commands his men to go up to the farmhouse and see if the defenders will surrender, mm-hmm. will give in without fighting. So the attackers kind of wander up to the door and knock on. And of course, the, the defenders punch their spear through the wall yeah, and spear the attacker and he manages to stagger back to his mates and they say oh it's a no go on the surrender boss was the was such and such a man in and he says no but his spear was (laughs) if you look at the practice of magic and I'm talking about stage magic you have part of a trick which can be known as the magician's choice Okay. Which is where you look as though an audience member is being given a choice, but in reality there is no choice. Right. So, <clears throat> But the audience member will think that there is. The audience member will think that there is. So are we seeing our free will as a magician's choice? Mm. Are we? Is it looking like we have free will, or do we always go where the norms lead us to go? If you see the story of the old father who has sees the long game anyway, and you see him as the magician. Mm. The magician's choice takes on a whole different meaning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are the questions that occupy religious philosophers, secular philosophers, scientists. Yeah. You know, and always have done. I mean, you've, you've, you're basically asking the question of... I mean, the question of free will is one of, is one of the biggest questions yeah. in, in all of those fields not only have you got um i mean obviously you have it you have it there in 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 norse philosophy which as you say is very fatalistic yeah. so that tends to lean towards everything is already preset or at least a certain proportion of things yeah your major events are, are, are preset. essentially preset i always i always i have to you know again at the risk of seeming as i'm being a little superficial i always have to think about doctor who mm. Uh, because the, the 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 sort of story narrative Doctor Who has it that there are certain nexus points yes. in history. You can do all manner of things at any other place, but there are certain points that you can't change. Yes. And there is going to be a significant event that happens there, and it must happen. It doesn't matter whether you've got a time machine and you can go back and do the, this and that. That event has to happen. Mm. So at the very least, I think in Norse philosophy you have something comparable to that, mm. where, you know, yes, you can maybe shift the, the threads about mm. but in the end there's going to be a pattern that they're weaving they go into. Yeah. that you can't really get round but then you have the same thing happens in the same thing is, has occupied monotheists for 
mm. centuries, yeah. um, <clears throat> millennia. I mean, you've got you've, you're looking at especially, particularly in Christianity, where you have a, a a sort of a. I have to be careful how I put this because I don't want to imply an equality mm. or an equivalence between God and the devil. But you have these two competing forces. Yes. The 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 whole thing of the the the, the, the sort of um, the Christian narrative is that we have free will, and yet we have a set of rules. That we must follow, mm. otherwise, terrible you things can will happen. So, to follow, yeah. yeah. So it's like again, to to what extent is that? And if and if God, if God knows everything that is going to happen, mm. which is is said to be one of his um, his powers, he can see everything that's going to happen. How can we then have free will? Because he knows what everybody's going to do. Yeah. So, so lovely listeners. Um, Grab a cup of coffee or a bun or your equivalent thereof. Mull it over for ten minutes. Mm. Give it a thought or two about where you as a modern heathen, how you understand fatalism versus free will. We could probably go on on this all night. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I haven't even, huge. Because I haven't even got round <clears throat> to um, scientific models of the structure of time yet. Oh, well, we did a little bit of that in cyclical time. Ah. But it's things like I say the concept of fatalism versus free will. How does that, if you've got an understanding of the universe as a multiverse, mm. how does that translate through? Lovely listeners, we might be doing another episode mm. on this because we've just got going. <laughs> <laughs> we quite like it. Yeah. <laughs> We might be talking about this a whole lot more, but for now, I think it's probably a good time just to give your brains a bit of a break. Yeah. So we'll probably stop this episode here and carry on a little bit in episode 34. 34. 34. 34. 34. doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't. 34. 34. No, not quite. Midlife crisis! <laughs> I started mine at 22. And it's still going. Look at me, I got a memo at 11. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Lovely listeners, you may be pleased and or saddened to know that this is the end of this episode. This is the end. There's a a sense of song about that, isn't there? Oh, let's not. Hold your breath and calm. Oh, no, let's not. (laughs) Feel the earth move and that one? Yeah, I don't know the next line. Look it up, you've got a wee do 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 I can do that much. I can do the do-do's. I just can't do words. The sky falls. Mm. Ah, I don't know. I don't know the words. I'll look them up. We'll put them in the notes. We will stand tall and face it all. Together at the skyfold. That, that one. That one. Yeah. Shall I stop singing it now? It's up to you. Okay. It depends. It we depends are how many... stop this episode because we need more coffee and clearly we need more uh, Daniel Craig in those really nice hey. speedos. Steady. What? Oh, I can look. Can we watch Casino Royale? Oh, God. It's got Eva Green in it. Mm, and it's got Daniel Craig in it. Double win. We're going to go now, lovely listeners. We will talk to you all next time. We're going to make this a really, really quick sign-off because Casino Royal is waiting. (laughs) (laughs) I've been Suzanne. Bye. (laughs) Uh, 
Uh, oh, yeah. oh, wait. You can find me online on Facebook <laughs> as Suzanne Martin. And on Twitter. Go, Kate, go! Dude, I, I can't get up the, the, the energy, the, the, just the momentum. Think, just think Eva Green. Okay. And now have you got the momentum? I've got momentum. Okay. Um, I thought you might. We might have to cut all that out. It's just motivation. Okay. It's fine. Uh, if you want to find me online, I'm at glassrain.net, which is my shabby excuse for a website. <laughs> um, or you can find me on Facebook and Twitter, and they're linked from the said website. Yeah, basically that's it. Or if you play Elite Dangerous, I'm in that as well. All done? Yeah, pretty much. Lovely listeners, please enjoy the virtual campfire. We're going to just sidle off and go watch a film and we'll talk to you all next time bye bye bye